We're continuing the Shir and Likute Alachas, Orachaim Chelek Aleph, Hilchis Netilas Yodayim Shachris, Halacha Beis, Paragraph Pesvov. Rav Nosanzal now introduces a new topic, completely new topic, from a different section of Shulchan Aruch, from Yoridea, and he's going to connect it to everything we've been learning. Paragraph Tesvov, Vizeh Bechinas Tvilas Kalim. With everything we've been learning till now, we're going to learn, we're going to learn and understand the concept of why a Jew is required to dip dishes in the mikveh which have been made, produced, those kalim that have been made by non-Jews. Because a, a vessel which left the ownership of a non-Jew, meaning it was originally owned by a non-Jew, and now a Jew acquired it, has to be dipped in the mikveh in order to make it ready that a Jew should be permitted to eat from that vessel. As is brought in Shulchan Aruch, Yoridea, chapter 120, Sif Aleph. Ki ha'akum, because the non-Jews, Shehem Bechinas HaTeva, we learned earlier that they represent Teva, they go by nature, they do not believe in Hashem, or certainly not in Hashgacha Proti of Hashem, the direct supervision of Hashem, so they're on the side of Teva, Ze Iker Hatuma. That is the, the source, the essence of impurity. This lack of faith in Hashem. Like, and when, when a vessel, when a keli is in the possession of non-Jews, it cannot leave their possession, their grip, their spiritual grip on it, and enter into the Jews' domain without being toiveled in a mikveh. Shehu bechinas hashgocha bechinas das. The mikveh represents hashgocha and das, as we learned earlier. Bechinas, as the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, chapter 11, kimolo ho'oretz deos Hashem kamayim layam mechasim. That when the Torah speaks about the das of the future, the das that's going to be around when Mashiach comes, it says the world is going to be filled with das like the water that covers the ocean floor. So we see that that water, that body of water, represents a very high level of das. So that when we're putting a, a keli into the mikvah, we're connecting it to that very high level of das, that das of the future, which goes together with hashgocha prati. That's the das where we're going to see Hashem. We're going to see the hands-on of Hashem. Because the food that a Jew eats has to be on a very high level of holiness. And the main holiness of a Jew's eating is related to the das that the person eats with. There are people, this is something that's spoken about a lot today, people that have problems with eating, people that are overweight or all kinds of eating disorders, one of the most important factors in it is that they eat without das. What's an example? Very simple. A person's eating while they're on a telephone or while they're doing something else. So the brain is disengaged. The brain is not concentrating on what they're eating to be able to make a calculation. Do I need to eat more or less? Do I want the whole thing or not? Is this good for me or not? They're putting the brain totally, or they're reading a book at the time. Most people, or certainly many people, who have eating problems, that's what it is. They don't realize that eating properly requires das. And if you don't give it, if you eat without das, you're going to get hurt, either physically or spiritually or both, you know, in all kinds of different ways. So Rav Zal says here, there's a story with Rav Zal that a person once came to seek his advice on a very critical issue in the person's life. And Rav Zal was in the middle of eating a bowl of soup. And the person presented their issue. And then they saw that Rav Zal was thinking. So he said, you know, if I'd like to ask if you could please hurry because I have to go do so. Rav Zal looked at the guy and he said to him, you don't understand. I'm sitting here trying to think carefully 
whether I should take another spoon or not take another spoon. That requires thinking. That requires brains. You're asking me to give you advice on a life, something that's going to affect your whole life, and you want fast food, right? You want it, you know, yesterday. You want it in two seconds, you know. And that statement of Rav Zal was enlightening to us. This is watching a Talmud Chacham eat. A Talmud Chacham knows that there's a calculation to be made when eating. The Rambam writes, you're supposed to get up from the table when you're two-thirds full. That means 67%, not 75%, not 80%, and certainly not 110%. There are people that, have a, that make a joke. There's an expression. There are people when they finish a meal, especially on Shabbos sometimes, when they... Man is platzen. My stomach is bursting. And they're saying it sort of with pride or funny or this, that. That's a dangerous thing for a Jew to say. Jews don't eat like that. Jews don't eat till the stomach is bursting. A Jew has to be very conscious at the time they're eating, what they're eating and how they're eating. There's a das that has to go into the achila. And we said that das is his galus ha Das is the revelation of Hashem's hashkocha. Because we said in the future when Moshiach comes, the world is going to be filled with das, number one. Number two, the world is going to be filled with being able to see the hashkocha of Hashem. So when we talk about das, intelligence, this is the most important intelligence. The most important aspect of intelligence is awareness of Hashem, consciousness of Hashem, seeing Hashem all around you. So that a person who is a professor of nuclear physics and doesn't believe in Hashem, according to the Torah, he is not a bardas. He has no brains. Because his brains are being applied to childish things. Nuclear physics, other nonsense, which again, the minute he hits the grave, it's all over. All of that goes nowhere. It just evaporates. The worms eat it up. The worms eat up the nuclear physics books and all of that stuff. So what? So the real das is the consciousness of Hashem, awareness of Hashem at all time. This hashgocha. And as we mentioned earlier, this is the concept of eating matzah on Pesach. That we're displaying, we're revealing, we're broadcasting the hashgocha through our eating. By us eating matzah. Because we said earlier, Matzah reminds us that this is the food that the Jews ate in Egypt when they ran out of Egypt. They ran out quick. They didn't make any normal provisions. Why? You know why? Because they saw Hashem. <laughs> and if Hashem's leading the way, he's, he'll handle the meals. We don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about one second. Let me pack this. Let me make some extra that. No. They just baked the quickest thing that they could make, you know, the, the matzah, and ran. Period. That's it. That was a, a display of faith and trust in the hashgocha of Hashem. And when we eat matzah on Pesach, we're remembering that, we're reminding ourselves of that, and we're renewing our faith in the hashgocha of Hashem. Because we know that Odom Arishon ate improperly. His eating brought death to the world, brought destruction to the world. Why? It was an eating of Eitz Hadas. That was a defective Das. That was a convoluted Das. It had good and bad mixed together. That was an unhealthy Das. The Eitz Hadas Toivora Zebchinas Chochmas Hateva Sheshom Mourov Toivora. The Eitz Hadas, which was which was Das, which was good and bad mixed together, that's Teva. That's science. That's nature. It's good and bad mixed together, meaning there's aspects of truth in it, but there's aspects of ignoring Hashem, Chasushon. The who das the sitrachra, that's referred to as the das of the other side. Pegam hadas dikdusha, that's against the holy das, that's a defect in the holy das. And the main pegam of Odom Arishan was eating. So we see that eating is a pretty important thing. Because the main perfection of Achila is through Emuna. As the Pesach says in Tehillim, chapter 37, And pasture yourself 
with emuna. Ure'e is used to be the word when animals are eating, they're being pastured. And that's the term that's used about faith, that when a Jew is eating, he's feeding himself, it's got to be with emuna. As is brought in another location in chapter 62 in Likut Imran. Rabbi Nezal expounds on this. Because when a person does not eat with holiness, then his eating causes damage to the das. It damages the, the awareness of Hashgoch of Hashem. And the person falls into the mistakes of the scientists and philosophers who deny Hashem. As the Pesach says in Chumash Dvorim, chapter 8, Hashem says, be careful, watch out. You might eat and get full, and you'll feel arrogant, you're going to feel bloated, you're going to forget Hashem. You're going to say in your heart, I made all of this. I built this business. I built this house. I acquired all of this. This person is placing everything on Teva. He's saying everything came through nature. Nature, natural means. I worked. I earned money. I made money. I struggled, you know. As if the person is saying that everything they earned in Parnosa came through their personal efforts. The person denies Hashem's involvement, Hashem's direct involvement. That's why the Torah uses the wording, was my strength and the efforts of my hands. Remember we learned earlier, that's why we wash the hands in the morning. The hands are the ones that are most vulnerable. They could go either way. A person could say, my hands, I made all of this. I did this with my own hands. I built this business with my ten fingers. You know, Or to recognize that everything is Hashem. I'm a tiny, tiny... It's true that I have to do a shtadlis. It's true that I play a role. But my role compared to Hashem's role is micro. The pigam in the 28 parts of the hands. The chofches asvan shalmaisa bereshis. The 28 letters of the first pasuk of bereshis. And this is why the pasuk continues over there. Don't make that mistake. Don't forget Hashem. You better remember Hashem. Because Hashem is the one who gives you the koyach. Meaning, because the truth is, everything, everything is dependent on Hashem. Everything is under the direct supervision of Hashem. Hashem who created everything using those 28 letters of the Pasuk Barashis, and he is supervising at all times the noisen koyach, and he's pumping energy into into the world, into creation, into every detail of creation. Hashem is the one who's keeping everything alive. Koyach daiko. Again, the word koyach is being used here. Kanal, tying us into that those twenty-eight letters of Barashis with which Hashem created the world and operates the world. Because Hashem supervises and control, conducts the world via those 28 letters of Barashis. And therefore, again, the Sahara tries to do a spin on it, put a spin on it, and make the person think it's their koach, it's my koach. And it's for this reason that a Jew needs to sanctify his eating on a very, very high level. And this is why we have such a major part of Judaism 
that's tied into eating and drinking. Hundreds of laws and mitzvahs are all surrounding eating. Ki iker hisgalo sahashgocha tluya bekedusha samacholim. Because our main ability to reveal, to broadcast the existence of Hashem and the supervision of Hashem is dependent on our eating, whether we're eating properly or eating improperly. We see, again, for example, the story of Purim. The Gemara says, why did Hashem give permission to Haman to wipe out the Jewish people? Because they participated in a banquet of a Goy. They went to the Goy's banquet. You mean just for eating? Just because we... Yes, eating is one of the most important aspects of life and of Judaism, as we're going to see throughout the Likuti Halachas. Eating is what, what puts together the body and the soul. And there are many, many, many important things related to it, as we see over here. Rav Nosenthal showed us that the eating is emuna, the eating can be hashgacha, or the eating can be denial of Hashem. Two people sit down to eat, the Gemara says this. Interesting, we're, we're almost at Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara and the Shulchan Aruch point out two people sit down to eat a meal on Erev Yom Kippur. One person gets a mitzvah, a big, 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 gigantic mitzvah, and the other one gets a big stomach ache. One person, before he eats, says, I'm eating this to fulfill the command of Hashem. Hashem said that there's a special mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur. And another person sits down to eat and says, wow, that smells delicious. I'm going to have a couple of bowls of that stuff. You know, nothing to do with Hashem, nothing to do with religion. So he doesn't get any credit. The other one gets, the other one is eating karbonai, sacrifices. His eating is pure holiness. His eating is, is making him more aware of Hashem and everything. And the second person's eating is taking him in the other direction. And this is why the Pasuk says, V'yochalto v'savoto uveirachto es Hashem alekecho al ha'oretz ha'toiva. When the Torah speaks about eating and blessing Hashem, it mixes Eretz Yisroel into the picture. All Jews, even the Jews in South Africa and in Washington, everywhere, everybody says, V'yochalto v'savoto bless Hashem al ha'oretz, over Eretz Yisroel. What does Eretz Yisroel have to do with all of this? The answer is, as we learned earlier, we bless Hashem after we finish eating. To, uh, to make ourselves aware, to remind ourselves that everything is from the Hashgoch of Hashem. And that's why we mentioned the land of Israel specifically. Why? Because Eretz Yisrael is wall-to-wall hashgacha. Kamashikosav, as the Pesach says, Tomid The eyes of Hashem are always focused on Eretz Yisrael. So by mentioning Eretz Yisrael in our Birch HaSamozayim, we're reminding ourselves, what is our eating all about? Our eating is all about hashgacha. It's all about strengthening ourselves in our closeness to Hashem, in our recognition of Hashem all the time. This is the whole concept of the time during the 40 years in the desert where Hashem gave the Jewish people mon. As the Pesach says, I am going to rain down upon you bread from heaven. The mon came down obviously through the direct, direct supervision of Hashem. It was a guided missile sent to each and every address. And the Gemara says, nisim nasuboy. And the Torah describes many miracles that happened with the mon, how it was fresh and exactly how it came, and how depending on what level of closeness to Hashem you were, the tzaddikim had it delivered on their doorstep every day. The Rishoim had it in a different place every day, different location, and nowhere near their doorstep. They had to go searching for it every day to find the package with their name on it. And the Benonim found it. It wasn't on their doorstep. It was a few feet away or a few blocks away, <coughs> but in the same location. So this was clear. It was clear to everybody that there was a sender. You know, nobody forgot that somebody sent this. It didn't happen to fall there, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. And when a Jew believes 
that Parnosa is totally from Hashem, with through Hashem's direct supervision only, without any teva, without any nature, natural things mixed into it. Because Hashem is the one who gives energy and life. That person's parnosa is on the level of mon. That person's parnosa is mon. What is mon? Emuna. We spoke about this in the past. One of the great rabbis in Breslov, his name was Rebbe Freumel. He lived, he passed away about 70 years ago, approximately. He wrote a sefer, Oinig Shabbos. And that sefer is a collection of letters, actually, that he wrote to one of his students. And every letter had divrei Torah and everything. And his students co- sorted it by Parsha the week and put it together as a sefer. One of the things he mentions there, he discusses the topic of the mon. And he says, we know that anything that appears in the Torah is not history. It's not to tell us about something that happened thousands of years ago. It's got to be for today. So he says, what about Mun? How does that apply to us today? Where does Mun play? He says, I'll tell you. He says, if you look in the Chumash, Mun, it says about the Mun that it was able to taste like anything you wanted it to taste. It was total super holiness. You didn't have to go to the bathroom after eating it. It was all positive energy. The Torah says, when the Jews saw Mun come down for the first time, they said, Mun who? It is mon. Because they didn't know what it was. They said, mon who? What is it? Mon means what? Mon who? What is it? Rebbe Freinel says, these two words, mon who, spell the word emuna exactly. This was a package of emuna. This was special delivery emuna. Because a person who saw this was very convinced that there was somebody up there. There was Hashem who created the world and is delivering this package of food directly for me, you know, at this point in time. Bebchinas, as the Pasuk says, that the Torah was given only to people who eat mon. Again, now how does that apply to us? Can we eat mon today? Definitely. If a Jew believes that his parnosa is pure hashgacha of Hashem, that there is no derech hateva, what's it's all hashgacha, that person's food, his salami sandwich, or his tofu, is mon. It's that same level of holiness of what the Jews were eating in the desert. and therefore, when the Jews were first starting to come close to Hashem as a nation, when they left Egypt, we have to make sure to eat matzah. Matzah is das. Matzah is mon. In fact, the Gemara says, The Gemara says the cakes, meaning the matzahs, that the Jews took out with them in, from Mitzrayim, tasted like mon. So we see that matzah and mon go together. They're all this moichin, this consciousness, this awareness of Hashem. It's a package, it's a type of food that shows your consciousness and awareness of Hashem. Because by a Jew eating matzah on Pesach, the person draws upon themselves this very high level of das. And the person realizes that everything is pure hashgacha proti of Hashem. So the person would say, hold on a second, you mean everybody that eats matzah experiences this? The answer is yes, each person on their level. To the degree that a person is aware of this, to the degree that a person wants this, to the degree that a person prays, Hashem, let me be zoichet to fulfill the eating mitzvah, the mitzvah of matzah properly. <coughs> Help me be zoichet that the matzah should have all of the effects that it's supposed to have on me, that it should fill me with every type of holiness that matzah is all about. Naturally, each person, according to what you put into it, that's what you're going to take out of it. In Breslov, we have the Likutei Tfilois, and they've published Likutei Tfilois special for holidays. They have like a smaller version, that's in the order of Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, where they give you all the Likutei Tfilos, the 
for that particular holiday. And there are many people in Breslov who try to devote time before the holiday to read those prayers, to cash in, number one, to open my eyes, to remind me what is this holiday all about? What am I supposed to get from this holiday? What about, you know, and, and to be praying to Hashem to be able to receive all the full benefits of this holiday, all its individual mitzvahs and everything. And it's through this, through this awareness of the Hashkocha, this is the main clo- coming close to Hashem. The Alkanan, therefore, Hakeli Shehoya Bershusa Akum, a vessel which was in the possession of a non-Jew, it was owned by a non-Jew, Shehem Sitra de Mesavusa, the non-Jews are from the side of Tumor, Kihem Toilem Bateva, because they do not, most of them do not believe in Hashkocha. They believe in nature. They believe in the sciences. They believe in the, in the astrology, in the zodiac, those things. Shemishom ikarachizas hadinim vasitrachra. That's the main source from which the judgments of Hashem and the sitrachra draw their power. V'alkein ein hakeli roi lesudas Yisrael. Therefore, their vessels are not, are inappropriate for a Jew to eat from unless the first the Jew first dips into, into the mikvah. Now again, we're talking here about a keli that the, the goy didn't use yet, a brand new dish. Just the fact that it was in the ownership of the non-Jew means it has an attachment to him, it has an attachment to, to tumah, to teva, to all of these things. And when the, when the keli is dipped in the mikvah, by doing that, through that, <coughs> the keli leaves the category of teva and enters into the category of das, the category of hashgocha, the category of the world to come, which is what mikveh represents, as we mentioned earlier. Mikveh is wall-to-wall water, just like the Torah describes in the future, that the world is going to be filled with das of Hashem, like the water that covers the ocean floor. Okay, so that's the topic of dipping in the mikvah. Now Rav Nosson Zal brings another item, v'zeh b'chinas hechsher keli. And with this we'll also understand the law of koshering a keli. That when a, when a vessel has absorbed non-kosher juices and things like that, it has to go through a procedure to remove that non-kosher taste that's been absorbed into the walls of the vessel. As the Pesach says in Bamidbar, chapter 31, any absorption that entered the vessel through fire can only be removed through fire. For example, a spit, things that you use directly on the fire, in order to kosher it, you must kosher it with fire itself by keeping it in the fire for a certain length of time to burn away, to burn out any non-kosher absorption that's in there. Because we said the sitrachra comes from fire and it's removed through fire. The canal, as we learned earlier. Because once this non-kosher, this impurity got absorbed inside the vessel, <coughs> All of this is tied into Teva, denial of Hashem. That's where all impurity and all forbidden things come from. They're all related to that left side, to the Teva, to, all, to non-belief of Hashem, that kind of stuff. When the non-kosher has already been absorbed into the vessel, it can only be removed through fire, fire, which is the source of teva. Remember we learned earlier <coughs> that the word hateva is elokim, and elokim bemiloi is esh. Esh, that, that's, that's the, the origin. Why? Because they, they come from fire. Fire is the source of this tumor, of this denial of Hashem, etc. However, 
when the non-kosher has not been physically absorbed into the vessel at all, but rather it's a new vessel, it's an unused vessel that happened to be in the ownership of a non-Jew. A non-Jew made it or a non-Jew bought it. And now we want to purchase it from him. A Jew wants to acquire it from him. Meaning that the Jew wants to take that keli out of the non-Jew's possession, out of the non-Jew's conscious. Now listen to this. Rabbi Nelson is going to teach us a concept here that's very important that comes up in many places in Likutei Alochais. Ki ikr bechinas reshusoi shel adam hu hadas shehu koine kol hachafeitzim tachas reshusoi. Because when we talk about a person's domain, a, a person's ownership, ownership is based on consciousness. It's the das of the person that acquires everything in that person's possession. As the Gemara says in the Dorem, page 41, Das If you, you've acquired Das, you have Das, what are you lacking? You don't have Das, you don't have anything. Meaning, for example, how does a person lose something? I had a briefcase, and the briefcase had $100,000 in it, and I lost it. How did I lose it? It, it slipped my mind. I forgot it somewhere. What is forgetting? Lack of das. Lack of das. And das is supervision again. A very important rule for those that are going to be traveling for Rosh Hashanah or traveling in general. Rabbeinazal, somebody once asked Rabbeinazal, when you're traveling, which direction do you daven in? Like in those days, they didn't have iPhones and B phones and Lee phones. They, they didn't have the thing, you press the button and it tells you where you are and who you are. If you forget your name, it'll tell you your name, your serial number, rank, everything. In those days, you travel. So Rabbein Azar said, when you're traveling, you travel, you daven in the direction of your suitcase. That's the direction you daven in. Meaning, whatever you do, keep an eye on and keep your brain on your suitcase. Don't forget. Don't lose consciousness. Don't remove your das from your possessions, because the, the ownership, the, the, the connection, the wire that attaches you to your possessions is your das. We know you have cases of a person who says after a couple of years, wow, I forgot I even own that piece of property. You have people who have real estate and they, you know, wheelers and deal, all kinds of things, and then suddenly somebody, he's looking through his books and he's saying, I can't believe it, I, I didn't even know I had, I didn't even know I had that. And again, if you don't know you have it, then to a degree you don't. And in the laws of losing things, when a person loses things, the moment a person gives up on the thing, the moment a person says, I'll never get that back, meaning he's disengaging his brain, he's unplugging that wire, he actually relinquishes ownership. It is no longer his. What do you say? It has my name on it, you know. doesn't matter. If you decided that you're not going to get it back anymore, it, so we see that the ownership, <clears throat> the ownership is the das. So when a non-Jew owns a vessel, it means that vessel is connected to the das of that non-Jew, that das of denial of Hashem, that das of teva and kfiro, all of those things. And therefore, as therefore, uh, and we want to take it out of there, then if the non-Jew, if the keli has not yet absorbed anything non-kosher, then it's enough to just dip it in the mikvah, because by dipping in the mikvah, mikvah which represents olam haba, the world, the future world, that's going to be the ultimate hashgacha, which is going to replace the teva completely. That's how we leave, we exit from impurity and enter into purity. That's how that vessel leaves the ownership and the, the, the hold of the, of the non-Jew and enters into the possession of the Jew. The Jews who are above nature. As we saw, Hashem showed Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu saw through his knowledge of astrology that he couldn't have children. Hashem said, no problem, watch this. He picked up Avram Avinu. Where do you see it? In the stars? You're looking up at the stars? Try this. Hashem picked him up and put him above the stars. Now you're looking down at the stars, meaning 
You are above the stars. A Jew's destiny is not dictated to at all by Teva, by astrology, or by nature, or anything like that. We are under the direct Hashgoch Proti of Hashem, you know, which is way above that. So now Rabbi Nelson Zal discussed the topic of dishes. He spoke about toiveling dishes, and he spoke about kashering dishes. Now he moves on to another topic, back to the holiday of Pesach that we touched on before. Paragraph Tezayin, V'zeh b'chinas hayayin sheldalet koisois. Now we'll understand the significance of the four cups of wine that we drink on the Seder night. Ki hayayin kol mishnei b'chinois, k'moishom razal. Because the Gemara tells us in Yuma, page 76, that wine can go either way. Zoho naseroish, if a person drinks wine properly, it expands his consciousness. It opens up his mind. It lets him think better and bigger. If a person drinks wine improperly, to excess, at the wrong times, it impoverishes him. He loses his brain. He loses consciousness. A person drinks till he's senseless. That expression. When a person drink is, is, is privileged, his das is elevated through wine. And Rab Zal emphasizes again, what kind of das are we talking about here? Are we talking about biology? Are we talking about algebra? No. The most important das is awareness of Hashem. That's, the heart, that's real das. person who knows everything else but that doesn't know anything. He's an imbecile, a total idiot. He can live his whole life and scratch his head at the end and say, what did I do? What was all of this for? When he's going into, as they're putting him into the grave, the guy starts, I can't believe it. What did I take all of those courses for on zoology and biology, all of this stuff, and, and technology? is a joke. This angel played a trick on me. He distracted me for 75 years. He kept me rolled up in all of this nonsense these toys, bigger toy, more expensive toy, less all, all a joke. I, I'm coming here naked. I, I'm not taking any. None of that can come here in the cemetery. They don't allow for any of that stuff. And had I known, had anybody made me aware that there's a Hashem and that there's Torah mitzvahs, I could have come here with suitcase. I could have come here loaded, loaded with suitcases of mitzvahs and Torah and all the right stuff, all the right stuff that I need for my journey. So the Iker Hadas is his Galos Hashgocha. This is very important again also. People talk about different levels of learning. A person attends a shir on halacha, a halacha shir. It's very, very important. You can't tell me that learning halacha isn't important. A person attends a shir on Gemara. And not just Gemara, Gemara be'iyun, Gemara with Mephorshim. Very, very important. The Gemara says that learning Gemara is combining everything. It's chumash and nafi, and it's, it's, it's got everything in it. Everything is important, important. But here, Rabbi Nelson Zal tells us that the Iker Hadas, the most important, is the learning that makes you aware of Hashem. Because it's definitely possible in this world, there are stories in Lithuania, you know, before World War II, that there were Jews who were learning to Gemara, holding a cigarette in their hand on Shabbos. Because again, it was, a, it was an enjoyable, it was a great mental exercise. It was much more fun and interesting than learning boology and the other nonsense, you know, the stuff that the secular wisdoms, learning Gemara. But the, the, the issue about Hashem and that stuff, that they didn't necessarily accept. That's all, you know, the theology stuff they didn't go for. They, they took Gemara as an academic, intelligent, you know, thing like that. So here again, a person needs to know that when you're learning, Every, a Jew has to learn everything. But sometimes when people hear a shir on Musr or a shir, shir on Amunah, let's say, they say, oh, that's for girls. Oh, that's for people who can't make it in the Torah world. You know, people who can't learn Torah, they learn about Amunah, you know, they, things like that. And here Rabbi Nelson is telling us that the Iker Hadas, the most important Das, is awareness of Hashem, his Galus Hashgacha. What makes a person realize and be conscious about Hashem? Now again, once you're aware of Hashem, then you have to learn what does Hashem expect from me. You have to learn halacha and gemara and zoyer kodesh and medrash and everything. 
but to know what's, what's in front and what's in back, what the priorities are, and what the most critical piece of knowledge is. Where if a person has everything else but that, it, it could be a joke, chas v'shalom. Dehainu shenezgale beyoyser hadas shel hashgocho so when we say that drinking wine properly elevates your das, we mean that drinking wine properly can raise your consciousness of Hashem, your awareness, your total awareness of Hashem 24-7 in every aspect of your life. Bechinas, as the Gemara says, Zoho naseroish. If you do it properly, you get elevated, you, you get a roish. But if a person drinks wine at the wrong times or improperly, and this is a very important point, especially today. I was in the States recently for the summer for like nine weeks. And besides that, it's not only in the States, it's here also. In the religious world, you know, this thing crept in very quietly. And at first it looked like a great thing. That once upon a time, 50 years ago, you walked into a kosher wine store and they had exactly two and a half kosher wines. There was Malaga and there was Tokay and there was Sauterne and that was it. And there were one and a half companies selling wine. There was Manischewitz and there was uh, the other one and, and that was it. And that went on for many years that the wine industry among the Jewish people was very limited, tiny. Wine and liquor and that stuff. Today we are so lucky, we are so blessed that we're living in wealth that every day a new wine company opens up. Not a new wine, a new company with its 12 or 15 different kinds of wine, kosher wines. And again, from Chile, from Australia, today you can go into a kosher wine store in Israel or Lahavdal in Chutzlaritz. Even it's being imported into, being brought into Eretz everywhere. And you have a selection of a thousand different kosher wines. And there are people that feel obligated, of course, to try all of them. And again, trying it, they're not just going to settle for a little taste, especially on Shabbos. A few cups. It's not a cup, it's a bottle. We don't drink a cup of wine. You drink them, everybody knows. You drink wine, you drink the bottle. You don't drink a cup. And what happens is, unfortunately, this has crept into even yeshivas, where there are bochrim, where this has become cool, it's become the norm. It's normal for boys to celebrate Shabbos or a, we at a wedding at any kind of simcha with a few glasses of wine or liquor or beer, you know, that, you know, intoxicating things. And Rabbeinazal in this item was different, very, very different from all. And there are some people that say it's a Hasidic thing that Hasidim drink, everybody knows that Hasidim drink, you go to a, a Hasidish person's table on Shabbos, and you see an array of liquors and wines, this stuff. In this respect, Rabbein Azal wasn't that Hasidic. He was less Hasidic. He said that even on Shabbos and Yontif and what? A little bit. A little bit. There is no possibility of a Breslev or Hasid drinking a lot, drinking substantial wine or liquor or anything like that, other than Purim. Purim might be the only exception. And then... If the person can handle it, if the person will not do anything against Hashem or against any other human being in their state of intoxication. This is very, very important, especially we're coming to Rosh Hashanah now. There are people who come to Uman and some bring cases of wine. There's a, again, different people celebrate holidays differently, different cultures. We need to know that this tzaddik, Rabbi Nezal, knew the world better than anybody else. And he knew Judaism better than and this authority said, keep back 2,000 feet. When you see a bottle of wine, you need to know that that's nitroglycerin. A little bit at the right time is wonderful, is special. A little more, you could cross a line where it's harmful. It, it has the exact opposite effect. Chas rosh. The person becomes impoverished. V uh, impoverished, that's the wording in the Gemara. What do you mean? You lose your money? No. The Gemara says that in Judaism, poverty is when you lose your senses. When a person loses their brain, that's the real poverty. And that's where financial poverty comes from also. When a person isn't aware 
of Hashem. They aren't aware of everything being under the direct supervision of Hashem. Shehu Iker Hadas, that's the real Das. Mishom Bo Anius, that leads to poverty, to financial poverty. Bechinas, as the Pesach says, that when Odom and Chava ate from the Eitz Hadas, which means they messed up the Das, what happened? Hashem said, You're going to earn your livelihood with depression. Meaning, you're going to struggle to earn a livelihood. You're going to suffer. Parnos is going to be terrible. Shehu bechinas dachkus va'anius shebo alidei pegam achilas eitzadas toivara. This refers to the the struggle and the poverty that comes as a result of being poigim in eating from the eitzadas. Shehu bechinas chokhmasateva, which is associated with those other wisdom, the secular knowledge. Because as we learned earlier, Teva is associated with darkness, with nighttime, with the defectiveness of the moon. And that is the source of poverty, as is known in the Sifrei Kabbalah, that poverty comes from darkness, from the other side, from the Sitrachra, from Teva. And both sides of this, as we mentioned, are found in wine. Because wine leads to sleep. person drinks enough wine, they get drowsy, they have to go to sleep. And, and again, this has become a norm in many Jewish homes, religious, supposedly religious homes, that because we're not drinking a cup of wine, but we're drinking three, four glasses of wine, we get tired in the middle of the meal or in the beginning of the meal, and we fall out. The head is in the soup, or certainly the person that has no consciousness to say a Dvar Torah or anything at the meal, and the meal gets shortened. The meal doesn't have the songs, the singing, and the divrei Torah that a Jewish, that a Shabbos meal is supposed to have, that a Shabbos shul is supposed to, that the highlights of the Shabbos, a family, the kids are supposed to see that this is the most beautiful thing in the world, a Shabbos meal. Instead, they see daddy and or mommy drinking and drinking a little more, and then because daddy's exhausted from the whole week and everything, and, that, and you add this to it, he's out. He's out already, he comes, you know. Wine brings on sleep, which is teva, shubchinas laila, which is night, night and darkness and sleep, because sleep is loss of consciousness. Remember, and we said that the real consciousness is awareness of Hashem. Ulehepech, the opposite. when a person drinks wine properly, azai hayayin me'ashena. Then the wine takes him out of sleep. It wakes him up from sleep. It perks him up. As the Pasuk says in Shira Shirim, chapter 7, Your upper palate is like a good wine, which causes the lips of those who are sleeping to move, meaning it wakes them up, it brings them to life. Which means good wine, wine that's coming from a good side, wakes up from sleep, takes a person out of sleep. That's why we bring Shabbos in with wine. That's why we make Kiddush on Friday night. Because the six days of the week are referred to as sleep compared to Shabbos. There are people who know that the one day a week that they really sleep a lot is Shabbos. But they have it upside down. They don't get it. That the one day a week that Hashem gives you a Neshama Yaseira, an extra soul, He ain't giving you the soul to put it under the covers, to put it in bed. That soul is being given to you because it means you can learn better. You can be closer to Hashem. You can reach a much higher level of closeness to Hashem on Shabbos or on Yontif than any other time during the week. Shabbos can be like 60 weekdays if you do it right. That's why we bring in the Shabbos with a little wine because that opens the brain. Now I'm not thinking 100%. Now I'm thinking 200% or 2,000%. And again, but th- then we should take out the Gemaras at that point. The answer is that when we're eating on Shabbos, that eating of food is learning Gemara. That's con- connecting to Hashem. We said before, Achila is, is Hashkocha. That's connecting to Hashem on a very deep level. So we said that good wine, wine being drunk properly, 
wakes the person up from sleep. Which is speech. Because when a person goes to sleep, they're not speaking. Most people, or some people do a lot of talking in their sleep. We're talking about normal people, healthy people. So in other words, sleep means no dibur. When we said here that the wine causes those who are asleep to speak, it means it wakes them up. <clears throat> By a person drinking wine, big dusha, for mitzvah, it wakes the person out of sleep. And it gets the person to start talking. And we know that the right kind of dibur comes from the brain. A Jew who's speaking properly, their words are coming from the brain. You have the Pasuk, Mipiv Das Usvuna. From his mouth, we receive his brains. You know, that's, that shows us what's in the person's brain. They say about Rabavrom Sternhartz, his yard site was just two days ago, Chofelu, that on Purim, when he was in his 80s and 90s, he was living here in Eretz Yisrael at the time, and on Purim, maybe a hundred or two people would come to see him throughout the day. Each person that came filled up a glass and, and drank l'chaim and drank with them. And they said they saw that it didn't affect his mind one iota in a negative way. On the contrary, he kept talking. He was like a fountain. A fountain that kept spouting divrei Torah, more Torah, more Torah. The Gemara says, Nichnas yayin, sod, that when wine goes into a person, secrets come out. So again, if the person's drinking improperly, then their garbage comes out. When a tzaddik is drinking wine, real secrets come out. That's when you hear the inner consciousness. You hear his love and devotion to Hashem. The songs, the zmiras that we sing at the table on Shabbos. The deep connection to Hashem that the wine was able to, to raise the volume on it, you know, to lift it up. Again, it says, the lips of those who are asleep are moving. This is the concept of hashkocha, which means waking up from sleep. Because when a person doesn't realize Hashem, it's like they're asleep, right? A person's walking around in the world, they're walking in their sleep. Why? <clears throat> what do you mean sleep? He's shopping, he's buying stuff, and he, so on. It's all sleepwalking. Because he's totally unconscious of the thing he's supposed to be most conscious of. He's aware of the <clears throat> apple juice, the <clears throat> <clears throat> he's not aware of saying, look, who, look who's given us. He walks into a supermarket, he sees the whole thing, and he forgets how well it has got here. Look what kind of world Hashem has created. Look where we are. Look at the variety. Look what's available to us. How lucky we are that Hashem is so good to us. And you get another person who <clears throat> walks in and there's no mention of Hashem. There's no thought of Hashem. Because of the fact that both sides to it, wine has the side, the good side of das and hashgacha, that's the wine that fills a person with joy, happiness, like the future world, the Pesach says wine will bring joy and happiness, when? If the person drinks it properly. And the other way, a person drinks wine to get drunk, to a state of drunkenness, then his mind becomes confusion. And what does it get confused about most? Confused about how this world came about into existence. He forgets about Hashem. He can't think straight. He can't figure out how what the real truth is. That's sleep. Sleep is also where the consciousness slows down. This is why there's a special law of wine regarding wine that does not apply to anything else in the world. That if a non-Jew touches wine, the wine becomes straight. If a non-Jew touches an apple or a piece of steak, or the, you can eat this, no problem. Non-Jew touches wine, it's off limits. 
כי שום דבר אינו נעשה במגע עקום, רק היין נעשה נסך על ידי מגע עקום. There is nothing in existence that becomes prohibited by a goy touching it other than wine. Wine becomes יין נסך, you know, if it's touched by a non-Jew. כי תקף כשנוגע העקום ביין, because the moment the goy touches the wine, when a person touches something, what do they usually touch it with? The hands. Then that wine is being connected, attached to Teva, the, 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 um, the, the non-Jews, idol worship, those things. Because we said the hands represent the person saying, I built this, I made everything. Versus the recognition of, of Hashem. Because of the fact that wine has both sides to it. Alkain, that therefore, the non-Jews, the idol worshippers, they're plugged into Teva. They can cause the wine to become impure, defiled, just with their hands alone. Because through the hands of the goy, the wine is being moved over to the side of Teva. And therefore it's no longer available to the Jew. The Jewish people who are above Teva. And all of our foods have to be holy, have to be sacred. So that everything we eat and drink will increase our consciousness of Hashem, our awareness of Hashem. This is why the Torah says that how, does a, how can a goy mess up wine? If he touches it. And touching is with the hands. Because as we learned earlier, the battle between faith in Hashem and, and versus Teva is the battle of the hands. It's the battle of faith in the Pasuk, Bereshis, Bara, Lokimis, Hashemayim, those 28 words, which are the hands of Hashem, the 28 parts of the fingers, the 14 and 14, Versus a person saying, I made, I built it. Everything is man-made. You know, that the world, everything, that there is no Hashem, de- denying Hashem, chas v'shalom. That's the battle. The heim bebechinas, whereas the non-Jews are, videi ha'akum, whereas the hands of non-Jews, idol worshippers, heim behepech mizeh, they have the opposite kind of hands. The heim bebechinas hayodayim yedei esav. The Torah says the hands are the hands of esav. So we see there's, there's two kinds of hands. There's the hand of Hashem versus the hands of Esav. The mistake of people who deny Hashem, where they say, I built this up. I made, my hands did it. This is why the halacha teaches us that wine becomes off limits through the touch of a non-Jew. And then it becomes Yain Nesech. That's the mistake of those people who get involved in secular wisdoms, which is associated with sleep, lack of consciousness of Hashem. Rab Nosal says the word Nesech is associated with sleep. As the Pasuk says in Yeshaya chapter 29. Because Hashem imposed a deep sleep upon them, and the word nosach is used. So we see that yayin nesech, wine that has been touched by a non-Jew, becomes wine that causes a Jew to lose consciousness of Hashem. What do you mean? I drank a whole bottle and I, I didn't lose consciousness. I was driving. Sure, you were conscious of nonsense, but you didn't realize that you lost the soul consciousness. You lost the most important consciousness. That posuk that we just quoted from Yeshaya, is talking about the stargazers, who are led to mistakes 
by looking astrology, by thinking that the astrology dictates everything that takes place. And therefore, when the Jews were taken out of Egypt, that's when Hashem made all of those miracles which showed everybody clearly that Hashem was hands-on. That's the one night when there's a mitzvah to drink four cups of wine. Because these four cups of wine that we drink at the Seder expand the consciousness. They bring us closer to Hashem. Because on the night of Pesach, the Das is elevated. And the drinking of the wine raises the consciousness of Hashem. About Hashem. Because on the night of Pesach, Hashem turned up the Hashkocha and he destroyed, he broke the night and the sleep. As the Pesach says, At midnight, Hashem said, I'm going to be roaming Egypt. I'm going to be very awake. We're going to wake everybody up. And therefore, the wine that we drink at the Seder is holy wine. It's wine that brings joy, not depression. The wine loosens our tongue to be able to talk more and more about the miracles of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. Remember? At the Seder night, we're supposed to do a lot of talking. Where am I going to get the mouth? The wine. The wine is going to open my mouth in a positive way. That we said there's a wine that causes the lips that of those who are asleep to move. It wakes them up. And this is what the Gemara says in Brachas, page 35. That we only recite Hallel, the true praise of Hashem, over wine. Because all of our songs receive from the song of the future, the song of Olam Haba, that's when the world is going to experience music and song. As the Zohar Kodesh says, As the Pesach says, when the Jews were crossing the Red Sea, it says, then... Moshe Rabbeinu will sing. It doesn't say then Moshe Rabbeinu sang. The Gemara says, It doesn't say then Moshe Rabbeinu sang. It says he will sing. The Gemara says from here we learn out that the singing then was kid stuff. The Torah is telling us that this is a prelude for the real song that's going to be played in Olam Haba. Because the main concept of song and music comes from the next world. Then Moshe Rabbeinu is going to sing. That's when Hashem is really going to introduce song and music to the world. And that's the source from which we draw all the songs that we sing in this world over the miracles praising Hashem for the different miracles. Because if you remember, we learned in the beginning of this halacha that all the miracles, all the salvations that we experience in this world come from the future, come from the next world. This world is a world of teva. This world is a world of... All the miracles and everything is, is drawing on the future. And therefore, when the miracle happens, just like the miracle came from the next world, we draw the music, we draw the song from the next world also to celebrate the miracle. And this is the concept behind all the songs, all the praises that we sing to Hashem over all the miracles. And that's why the Gemara says, 
We don't recite these, song, these songs are recited only over wine. Ki oz because when you're drinking wine this way, then the wine is plugged into holiness, into hashkocha. This is the real song that we're drawing, That's the song we're singing about a miracle that Hashem did. Every miracle is a display of the hashkocha of Hashem, and we're drawing that into this world. This world is not a world of miracles. Usually things here go without miracles. Every once in a while when Hashem shoots a miracle in here, He's shooting it from the future, from Olam Haba. And then we draw the song, the praises for the miracle, also from Olam Haba. That's why we recite the song over wine. And that's why the Gemara says, that the four cups of wine that we drink at the Seder correspond to the four kingdoms in which the Jews are going to experience exile. Because when we drink the wine with holiness, we bring about the downfall of those four kingdoms. Their main power is Teva. Their lack of belief in Hashgacha. And by revealing, by broadcasting the Hashgacha, which is being emphasized through the wine that we're drinking, through that, through that we destroy, we eliminate all of those opposing forces, all of those four kingdoms which exiled the Jewish people, which subjugated us. Baruch Hashem.